the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. To have faith in God is not a stagnant state. It's a journey. As believers, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as we walk the believer's journey. Aloha and welcome to The Believer's Journey. I want to thank everybody for joining us, for watching our program. I especially want to thank our sponsors, uh, Guerrero CPA, Guerrero Law. I want to thank uh, Tracio Displays as well as Allison and Thompson Insurance. I also want to thank everybody who supports us, whether you support us with your uh, watching us, sharing us, uh, subscribing to our channel, or if you even share with us financially. It just really helps our ministry to continue to teach the Word of God, and I just really appreciate all of you today. Anyway, today we have a, a real special, different program. I've never done this ever. So today is Valentine's Day, and so... Um, we decided to do something on romance, so we're going to call this Romance and Marriage. I would normally have my wife on the program. However, she has bronchitis, so she was not able to make it. So I have a wonderful, absolutely precious lady, Lorena Anderson, who is my guest. Hello. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> and Lorena, um, if you've been watching my program, her father's been on two times. His name is Daniel. And she comes from an amazing family. They're all Army. Uh, and uh, you have a brother or two in the, in the Army? I have uh, two brothers that were in the Army. I have a brother-in-law that was in the Air Force. My sister was in the Air Force. They met in the Academy, her and her husband. And my husband was in the Marines and the Army. Wow. Yes. And you've been in the Army. And I was in the Army for 23 years, <clears throat> yes. And her father and mother been in the Army. Just my father. Your father, that's right, your yeah. mother's. My mother did wear combat boots, though, so. <laughs> <laughs> so... Anyway, um, Lorena, and I've known Lorena since I've known your mom, actually, for about, what, seven years now? Yes. And um, I met uh, Rosemary because uh, we were moving, and she actually came and cleaned our house because the person who cleaned it didn't do a good job. And your mom, your mom did it for free. I'm like, you don't have to do this. That's just what I do. I'm like, no, really? And then her and I just clicked. Like, you know, she was sassy and yes. I <laughs> love it. And so I'm sassy. I don't get to do that much with Susan. So <laughs> You could be sassy, but... <laughs> well, she didn't like it. Right. So after that, I mean, we, we do a lot of... She does a lot of giving. So we do a lot of donations to, to her. And she's just amazing in that, that area. Thank you. So anyway, in talking about romance and marriage, I kind of want to settle our relationships so that you all know where we're coming from. So where I come from, as I was a kid, I came from a, a home that was not real good. My mom and dad literally fought in major ways. You know, you would see things flying through the air, uh, 
bathroom doors being hatcheted down. I mean, it was just really bad. And they, they divorced when I was nine years old. And it was just a really bad situation. And I ended up moving into a my car and ended up moving into a pastor's home when I was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. And from there, it was really difficult to understand relationships for me because I didn't have anything in my childhood to to give me a good baseline. When I moved in with a pastor's home, it's like, oh, wow, they pray at meals. Oh, wow, they sit down together at meals. Oh, the, the parents individually go in with their children and talk to them at night and pray with them. They do things with them. It was just a totally different ball game for me. Right. And then through the years, I literally had to pick up books and read about how what it was to love and, and what a relationship is. Right. On the other hand, you come from a really solid background. I mean, right. talk about that. Uh, both my parents have been married uh, for over 50 years, uh, just about 53 years this year, because I'll be 51 uh, in the middle of the year. And yes, my, my father has been my pastor most of my life growing up. Although we were in the military, uh, everywhere we served, he also was our pastor. And so we do grow up in a household of faith of prayer, of teaching. They believed in, you know, teach them as they rise up and as they lay down, when they go out and as they come in. They believed in the Word of God. Uh, But unfortunately, because I would say unfortunately, fortunately, but unfortunately, not everyone comes from that background. And so the likelihood of marrying someone who does come from a seemingly tumultuous background like yourself that can also create its own problems because just like you may not have understood how it was to be in a seemingly stable household, not that we were perfect in no way, but not growing up in a seemingly stable household, I didn't know what it was to not grow up in a uh, seemingly stable household. So married to somebody who came from that background, that created its own challenges that even I had to pick up some books and had to learn some things as well. So, yeah. Yeah, and... um and I have to say this about your parents. I, I generally, they're, they're just so, they're one of the two people I think are the most amazing people in the world. Thank you. And, and, I, and I say that sincerely. I mean, I, not just because we're on a program, and, yeah. and, but I really mean that. Thank you. Um, I think, you know, but it's really funny. Your mom is really attitude. I mean, she's total attitude. <laughs> and, and there was one time I really wanted her on the program to, to, to ask, because we get questions in and, and I have people ask me. And this one time I wanted your mom to come on. So I called your mom's phone. Yes. And she answers, and I guess they're in bed. And, and she, she's like, you know, I'd like you to come. I said, oh, no, that's not me. I said, no, I wish no, I don't do that. And she goes, here, Daniel's for you. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you can hear this. It is so funny. Yes. And your dad, sure, no problem. Yes. But, um, but and, and your parents just renewed their vows just a couple of years ago. Yes. And we were in Moldova, so we weren't able to attend. And that right. thing was amazing. We saw the video. It was like an hour and a half. It, it was. She, uh, they when they first got married, just a quick background on their story. Um, they met when they were in high school in Brooklyn, New York. And in New York, the schools are so big that half the school goes to school in the beginning of the day. And then the other half goes to school in the second half of the day. And they w- both worked at the same location 
location, although they worked the different shifts. And he met her and walked her to school, walked her home after school, and then asked her on his first day to marry him. And not understanding really what he was saying, she was like, sure, thinking, oh, he wants to be my boyfriend. Uh, but lo and behold, they, they did get <laughs> married. And so at 50 years, they had never had a wedding. They uh, got married at the uh, the judge's office. And uh, they had a sabrette hot dog down at the, uh, the corner uh, stand on the streets of New York. And so she always wanted to have a wedding. So she had been planning for about two years. And normally at weddings, she's the coordinator and uh, I'm the caterer. But this time she was like, can you please be the coordinator? I was like, oh, because like you said, my mom is sassy. And I thought, oh, my goodness, she is so particular. <laughs> that, is, that is not me. But for my mom, uh, who has been just one of the greatest examples of womanhood uh, and motherhood and wifehood, all of that combined, I was like, I, I will do my level best. And so I tell people that their wedding was a combination of uh, The Great Gatsby meets Wakanda Forever and uh, Coming <laughs> to America. It was just everybody was in these royal blues and gold and crowns and oh. just different I mean it was absolutely phenomenal so yes oh yeah mm -hmm. your dad was dressed really nicely he I mean, was he all out and your mom with the crown it was just like <laughs> and she really did have the train that filled the <laughs> she she made her own gown and I mean her her train it was and her veil was so long that it kept coming off and we had to kind of it was like five of us racing behind her like carrying her veil and train trying to catch up she was like whatever I'm going to get my man we was like you know you've had him for about 50 years right <laughs> so yes yeah they're, they're, they are both really special thank you and so to get it because i know in my situation so i i married my wife and she her parents weren't really into their children which is really hard mm -hmm. um and, and she comes from a background where she had a controlling father married a controlling husband mm -hmm. and abusive husband and then we get married and there's all that that comes into our marriage right so dealing with that was really difficult so we we i think we all have issues right. that are wonderful but issues that are really struggle and hard mm -hmm. which is the same as any any life. I mean, that's what life is about. It is. And unfortunately, what I see today is if you're not happy in a relationship, you have this excuse of, well, God wants me to be happy, so it's okay to divorce. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's not biblical. It's not. Um, I'm reminded of when the Sadducees and Pharisees came to Christ and asked them, okay, so according to the law of Moses, you know, we can get divorced. What do you say? Trying to, you know, kind of trick Jesus. And Jesus came back and said, it's because of your hard headedness that he yeah. gave that writ or that decree. It wasn't because that was God's perfect will. His perfect will, of course, was for man and woman once joined to stay together. But because of sin and the fallen of the heart away from God, we, you know, try to negotiate how we're going to, to live our life. And and I, too, I was married before, and uh, but I married a, a minister in the church and, uh, you know, thought, okay, this is it. 
I mean, he's saved, I'm saved. That's going to be perfect. That's a wrap. Not really realizing all that, again, that a person individually brings into their past and um, their parents' past. All that plays a, a, a part into uh, how that marriage is going to succeed or not. Um, so my husband Richard and I, this is our both of our second marriages. Um, and like I said, he came from a very difficult background. Both of his parents have been married multiple times, and I'm I'm talking about more than three uh, on both ends. And uh, then he was married uh, for a few years, and because of uh, not knowing God and not having that example of God, having the example of you fight, you fuss, you make up, that kind of what we see on uh, Hollywood sensationalized about marriage, um, you know, he, he had that marriage with his first wife. And so after 12 years, they, they divorced. My ex-husband and I, we were married just shy of four, four years. And I'll tell you honestly, uh, Alan, it wasn't because so much the Holy Spirit was like, you know, Lorena, you need to just, you know, go ahead and get divorced. It wasn't that. It was uh, being in the military. I was like, if I stay married to this man for 10 years, he gets half my paycheck. And I'm not willing to share that with somebody who's not willing to really share life with me. So after much prayer and, of course, having the backing of my parents, that really uh, helped the transition from being divorced. And that was hard. Even after four years, that took some recovery time. Uh, but it also allowed time for prayer. And what I did was I asked God, I said, I, I can't fix what he did or did not do my first husband in our marriage. But God, I need you to show me what I did incorrectly in this marriage because I don't want to bring that out into another relationship. And I think that's what a lot of people fail to do is they don't ask God, show me me, show me where I may have missed the mark, where I may not have hit your perfect will in this. And so for me, he showed me, you took the wrong position in your marriage. Uh, if anything went awry or incorrect, I immediately tried to fix it. And the Lord was like, that's not your place. You're not the head of your home. And so when you took that from him, you uh, took that responsibility. You put yourselves in the wrong position as far as God being the head of the church and the head of the family and then the husband being the head. And it wasn't so much again that I thought, well, I'm not going to subject myself to this man. I'm, I'm a a military woman. I got my own career. It wasn't that. I thought I was helping. Mm -hmm. So it's not that, you know, a lot of misconception is, oh, a man doesn't want to, a woman doesn't want to put herself under a man's objection. It's not that all the time. You think you're helping as a wife when really you have to so much trust God in that yeah. fellowship. And if you don't have that type of uh, relationship, that type of fellowship with God, that you'll trust him, even in most importantly, in the bad, you're going to misstep a lot. And so I had to practice saying yes to God and trusting him through the season of not being married and not dating or anyone else to when I got married, God reminded me, you told me you will trust me. And so, and, and that takes work. I, I think what happens to most people, um, and I don't, I can't tell you a percentage. Mm -hmm. I think what they do is they look for somebody that they feel is right for them, mm -hmm. or they look for somebody who looks good mm -hmm. or fits a particular box, whether it's uh, looks, whether, you know, however it might be. Right. And, and the problem is, I think you hit the nail on the head they're not looking at themselves first saying, God, you know, how do you, how do I need to be right. 
take me, fix me, work on me so right. that I am prepared for whoever you bring my way. Right. And, you know, uh, when I married, well, before I married my first husband, my second husband, excuse me, Richard, uh, he's going to get mad at me. Uh, before <laughs> before I, I married him, I actually <laughs> did everything in my, my ability to get him to run. I mean, he came to me and he was like, hey, you know, you look kind of nice. And I was like, well, listen, you need to understand uh, I love God. You don't love God? <laughs> What's wrong with you? You know, but I was like, I love God. And if you don't love God the way I love God, I don't have anything to do with you. And I don't date just to be dating because I've done that. I'm too old for that. I date till marriage, you know, and I was determined and I thought he would run. And then I was like, well, what, what's your ministry? What are you serving in the church? I'm throwing this all at him. And he stayed. And I was like, okay, so, you know, of course I went to God and I was like, okay, father, you know, I do not want to uh, make a mistake. And, and the Lord, you know, was like, yes, get married. And I'll, I'll tell you, it was really my dad. Uh, and growing up a pastor's kid, you kind of grew up thinking as a girl, any guy you look at, you're going to get pregnant by, you know, don't even look at a guy, <laughs> you know. So um, I thought, okay, he, here I am, This I'm dating this guy. Uh, and how is, is my dad going to feel about this? And we actually had came down to visit him. He wasn't doing so well health-wise. And uh, we had told him he had asked my dad for my hand in marriage and uh, had this grand idea that I was going to get a Texas marriage license and take it to Montana, which is where we were stationed at the time. And then I would get married in Montana with the Texas license. Well, you can't do that. Right. And I didn't understand well, how with stars doing it, they were getting married in all these foreign countries. And, uh, but lo and behold, my dad said, well, if you already know this, is what you want to do, just do it before you leave here. So the week that we were here, just visiting, we came here, not even really officially engaged, but we're dating, got engaged, and got married that same week and, and went back husband and wife, which was uh, surprising and wonderful. But the honeymoon doesn't last so easily so long uh, because then those past issues and that he had learned and behaviors he had learned and what I had learned, of course, came and they were combating one another because I had learned that this is how you do as a husband and wife, and he had learned you just... Uh, you do things to survive. You, do, you get as much as you can, and then you survive. And uh, so, yeah, we had our rough times. But I'll tell you, and, and I'll, uh, I'll end with this. The Lord told me, Lorena, he made this promise. Because I was like, God, I'm not going through this again. I've already been through this, uh, being married to a man who financially may not is not stable. And, you know, all these different things. And the Lord said, Lorena, you can divorce him. And I will not hold it against you. I will not, you know, come back and say, I already gave you another chance or anything like that. I won't hold it against your head. However, if you stay with him, not only will I bless you for the obedience, but I will bless him. You will be saving his life. And when people hear your testimony, they're going to be like, that's impossible. You're, this is not the same this can't be the same individuals that I'm looking at now. And so we try to be open with our testimonies to people say, hey, look, it yeah. could have been another way. Well, I've been around Rickle quite a bit to know 
that he really loves you. I mean, it's like, you know, I'll ask him about something, doing something, going somewhere, we'll do whatever it is. And he'll say, well, let me check with Rena first mm-hmm. or Rena. Yeah, Rena. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like, wow, he really respects his wife a mm-hmm. lot. Not a lot of guys will do that. Yeah. They'll just say, yeah, and, and she'll just put up with me or I'll just, it's better mm-hmm. to say, you know, sorry than they ask permission kind of thing. He's not like that. No, not at all. And I'm not one that I try not to do too many things without him knowing as well. And, you know, he will come back and usually say, well, babe, you know, I owe this life that I have now to you. And I'm like, oh, you don't owe me anything. This is a God thing. And just because I may have stuck around through the bad time doesn't mean I, I get the right to hold that against you. Because the Bible says all have sinned mm-hmm. and fallen short. So the same God that forgave you and healed you, that's the same God that forgave me for a lot of things and healed me. So I don't hold it and be like, you remember when, you know, because I feel that I have some type of an upper hand. And so I think as wives that we need to be consciously available to the fact that we have a role to play within the household. Um, And that if, again, we go back to trusting God with everything and allowing the husbands to know, okay, whatever decisions you make for our family, that's between you and God because you're the head. And so however that affects us, that's because of decisions that you made. Not to say you can't have discussions, because I do. Trust me, I'm my mother's daughter. (laughs) (laughs) I have my opinions. (laughs) That's good. Well, there's something you said that I I teach to, to every time I talk about to somebody about marriage or dating. I truly believe that every person you date is a potential marriage partner. Mm-hmm. Every every person you date. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that it says, oh, I'm just going out for fun. I think there's a potential there. And mm-hmm. I think people don't take that serious enough. Right. And I think it's important to, to recognize that that particular statement mm-hmm. because I think that's really true. You said something that I want to talk about. And yeah. I have the scripture, in, and that's about the head of the home and mm-hmm. so forth. Because there's scriptures that really really speak to this and i think in our in our society not just ours today and not Mm -hmm. just in the united states but all over the world and and for centuries probably at least decades in in what i know is this thing of head of the home the fact that the man is the boss of the home Mm -hmm. and i think there's a problem here because i believe we take that not just on layman's layman people but mm-hmm. also in pastors and teachers mm-hmm. they teach us in such a way that it has contradictions in scripture right um and before we get to that i want to read from genesis um in 218 it says and the lord said and lord god said it is not good that the man should be alone i will make him a help meet for mm-hmm. him now, some versions it'll say helper, suitable for him, mm-hmm. or um, helper comparable for him. And I want to bring that up because we talk about helper, and we think of helper as somebody lower below us. Mm-hmm. That, that really is what we what we identify that with. But when you go to the Hebrew, okay, it's really important. There's actually two words mm-hmm. there. So if it just says Helper for him. It, it, there's two words in the Hebrew, and I don't know if I'm going to pronounce these right, but it's going to be Azer and then Neched, which I don't know if that Ched is the correct way to say that. Sounds but, good. <laughs> but it's help me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and 
Azer suggests that the individual, which would be the woman, mm -hmm. has power to rescue. Mm -hmm. That's big. Yes. So when God created Eve, he created someone to be his his person who can rescue him, right. have power with him, right. okay, have power over because of him. And I think that's huge. But the other word here, uh, nehed, it, it's, it's the, where we see help the meet or the mm -hmm. suitable, person suitable. And here's right. what it means. It means counterpart. Right. And a counterpart is a person uh, identical or closely resembling another. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you have a, a head of state in one country, the head of state of another country will be the counterpart. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. That that doesn't say one's higher or lower than the other. It says right. they're of equal value. And it's that person who, who um, complements uh, and corresponds with the other person. Mm -hmm. So when we look at Eve as being the help meet, we're looking at someone who has been given power to rescue mm -hmm. and been given the, the position of a counterpart right. who says, I am with you, not right. below you. And yet, when we go to Ephesians, and you know, most women hate this for this <laughs> chapter. Ephesians five, um, twenty-two. It says, "Wives, submit yourselves to your husband mm -hmm. as unto the Lord." Mm -hmm. And men want to stop there. Right. Hey, submit. That means you need to obey me. Right. But we, they don't go to verse twenty-one that says, "Submit yourselves one to another." Right. Whoa, you know, let's, let's back up. But the problem I've had, and I've had it on this program, I've had people write me because I did a whole program on husband's responsibility to the wives and wife's okay. responsibility to the husband, two different programs. And I talked about how we're supposed to be, you know, one to another. And somebody wrote me and told me, how can you deny the fact the Bible says that women are supposed to obey their husbands? Mm. And I'm just like, that word has never been used. Mm -mm. And yet... I like to get to the men's part because it's the man that I think Paul really hits hard. Mm -hmm. And it says in Ephesians uh, 5.25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and mm -hmm. gave himself for her. Now, here's the problem. And let me know if you, you, you see this, too. A lot of men think, oh, yeah, I love my wife. I'll die for her. Mm -hmm. And that's their, that's their equal thinking of what this verse means. Right. Or they think, I, I provide for her, I go to work, I put a roof over her head, I have sex with her, therefore, I love my wife. Mm -hmm. And that's their total consumption of what they mean, what it means by loving your wife. Right. However, what he says is, as Christ loved the church. Right. Now, the interesting thing is, he uses the same verbiage here as Jesus did in the upper room when he told the disciples, I give you a new commandment in John chapter 13, mm -hmm. that you love one another as I have loved you. Right. Now, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, he went to the cross and died. Not mm -hmm. there he hadn't. Right. Still alive. He had right. not gone. So what we need to do is dissect mm -hmm. what did he mean? Well, I would like to go back to the first understanding. And I, I think a lot of people, um, I'm actually in a uh, divinity program, Master's Divinity. And we oh. were just talking about this yesterday, about understanding the context of what was being said and why it was being said. A lot of times we think of it from this uh, westernized mind set and not understand what was happening during that time. So in the beginning, when Eve was made from man, she was made equal to man because everything he had, she had. Right. Right. And so that was God's perfect plan. And so, yes, be a help 
meet or a one who can rescue if need or be a partner, you know, too. When sin happened right after that, that's when uh, God said that the woman's desire will be unto her husband because of death. And so with any death or any part, you lose something, right? And so I think that both man and woman lost something in that transaction of when they ate from the the fruit, from the tree, right? And so then, yes, when we go into the New Testament, a lot of people and women will say, well, I'm supposed to obey my husband. And, and we, again, we're thinking from a Western mindset versus understanding from a Hebrew uh, or a Jewish mindset that it was that we were to submit. It didn't mean that we lowered ourselves. It meant that we understood the responsibility level that Christ's example at that time because of sin. That now because of sin, you know, Christ now being the head of the church, there would not have been a need for a church <laughs> as they understood it if sin had not happened. Right. Mm-hmm. And love. We, again, don't understand what that means. We won't go back and understand it. Love is an action word made up of different parts. Love means to be patient with one another. So love goes beyond just uh, the filio, per se, or the fellatio. It goes beyond that. It's about being patient. It's about being purposefully kind, even in the midst of one or the other being unkind. You know, And I think as a lot of women, because we believe in tit for tat, an eye for an eye, you know? Uh, so if you get at me and say something smart to me, I'm going to say something smart back to you, right? And I'm telling you that that, and please hear me clearly, ladies, I'm not so so perfect that, oh, I just have this so down pat because I'm so pious. And God is so, well, please, my nature wants to let you know real quickly that I'm I'm grown, grown, right? Um, but because of the the actual will of God that's in my life, even when my husband may get upset, I purpose within myself to swallow, kind of shake my head a little bit and breathe and, uh, you know, say, Father, help my mouth because I don't want to kill my relationship with my mouth. And so I'll, I'll wait and I'll be kind. I won't keep record of wrong. You know, I'm not easily provoked. You're not going to easily round me up to go. And we're going to now have these, these fighting words. Uh, again, one, because I try to remember my responsibility as my husband's wife. And I remember I'm a mother to my children and I have to example to them, especially not especially, but certainly to my daughter, um, even though she's grown, she still is. And she's married. She still has these questions. Mom, I don't understand. How did you do such and such and such? And I'm like, oh, baby, let me tell you that <laughs> that takes a lot of prayer and a, a lot of purposeful in your life. And so I have to answer for that. I'm not just responsible just to myself. It's not just my thing and I do what I want to do. It is a responsibility that I have. So again, I go back to that when we are rightfully using the word of God, we don't need to be, as it says in Timothy, we don't need to be uh, laborers who can be called guilty of not understanding the full word. We don't want to be looking crazy as preachers or teachers of the gospels or as apostles or whatever our role is in ministry that we're speaking the words in the Bible, but then we're giving explanation. It's not what God intended. And now people can go, "Ah, I can't trust you because I don't know if you really 
know yeah. what the word says. But yeah, yeah, and you're exactly right. You really are. And I think that even in you know, aside from the fall and all that crashed in mm-hmm. that and took away from the God's holy purpose. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think that today we see the same thing. When I was single and I uh, meet a girl, if I were to go out or listen to her before, if I thought about going out. If I heard her say, I'll have no man to have over me, I'll never, I was like, goodbye. I wouldn't even yeah. think about something like that because the attitude is already really dangerous. Right. So, Can I say something to which you also said that um, uh, being a rescuer or one who helps as a wife, uh, that's something that is in us naturally as women. I go back to me saying in my first marriage, I was trying to help him and I was trying to rescue him and the different mis- mistakes a lot of times women, we will do that even before the actual vows, the, the outward expression of vows of marriage. We will join ourselves emotionally with different men thinking this is the one, right? Mm-hmm. And then we think we're going to try to rescue them if they do something wrong. Not only that, God created us as women to receive from man, right? And so when you have uh, intercourse as a woman with a man, you receive everything from that man, including all the other issues and people that he has been with. So now here you have inside of you this war, spiritual war that's happening because you've received all these different types of people. Now you keep doing that throughout your life And then it now becomes difficult for a woman because you're like all these different spirits have now you've received when a man, his job is to expel, right? That's the reason y'all go to sleep so quickly afterwards. (laughs) And we're still like, that's it. No, (laughs) that's all you want to say. But we... I say that, especially to some of our, well, any any audience, but some of our younger women, we need to express to them, you're not just having a, a, a physical transaction when you're having sex with a man. You're not just having a, a physical gratification at the end. When you do all that, just like when you receive, if your body receives his seed and then it comes together with your egg and then it produces and turns into, you know, a, an embryo into a baby and all like that. And you nurture that and you grow that, you nurture all that other stuff too. That's where the giving birth to things, even in ministry, you're giving birth to, you grow and labor and into giving birth. So we need to be careful as, as women because that can hurt us later on or God's going to have to do a whole lot of deliverance from that, decisions. That's really interesting. I, I, I've never heard that put that way before. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like what you say. I, I know for me when, when I've had uh, girls talk to me about having sex and they're not married uh, for me because I also have a counseling background mm-hmm. um, and I'm definitely not a good counselor. Uh, <laughs> Okay. No. <laughs> because, well, because I'm too, I'm too brat, brassy. Okay. You know? um, I, I'll say things, you know, that that are very straightforward and harsh. Yeah. And a counselor will say, you don't say that. You got to be. Yeah. I'm just not. That. How do you feel about that? Yes. Yeah, I'm not that. Yeah. But anyway, that's I'll, why my teacher told me to go into public administration. Just you know, you come up with the rules. Don't try to counsel. Yeah. <laughs> 
he been kill somebody. Well, they told me to get a counseling degree because it would help my ministry degree. And I was like, I didn't mm-hmm. want to do that, and I did anyway. Mm-hmm. And I almost feel, feel sorry I did it because the couple churches I went to, they wanted me to counsel, and I don't want to do that. But the pastor wants you to, and he doesn't have the degree, and you do. I'm like, oh, really? Okay. But anyway, <laughs> yes. uh, when it comes to girls and having uh, a sexual relationship before they're married, a lot of women, okay, girls, women, however you want to put that, mm-hmm. once they do get married, even if it's to the same person, a mm-hmm. lot of times will we'll carry guilt. Mm-hmm. And that guilt will carry into that relationship. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times their sexual relationship will suffer later on. Yes. And that's something that, that we don't hear too much anymore, no. but that's an actual fact. Well, I think that... Again, the Western civilization church, we do as a whole a bad job when it comes to actually talking explicitly about marriage Mm -hmm. and not just wait until marriage, baby, and then the Lord will bless you. And, you know, no, there's so much more that goes into that. I'm not saying that we have to become pornographic. What I am saying is we need to be plain. Mm-hmm. We need to be very plain, just like Christ was plain when he said a man should not lie with another man as if with a woman. He was very plain with that. Mm-hmm. He was he wasn't saying, you know, men shouldn't get along. He said, no, you should not lie with a man having sex with a man like you would with a woman. That's that's yeah. out. And so we need to we, we're going to we're going to have to answer for a lot of things. Uh, but I would hope that these type of programs and questions that we would open up the dialogue to be truthful at their age appropriate level uh, with our children. I talked to my son and he's 10 years old and we talk about at his level about being a husband and wife. And I mean, at 10, he'll say, well, you know, mommy and daddy, I know you're going to always smooch and kiss and all like that. He, 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 you know, that to, at his level. And we tell him, well, that's what mommies and daddies should do. We should show you that we love one another. You, we, you should see daddy being kind to mommy. You should see mommy loving on daddy and being patient with daddy. Because now that helps him when he is a man uh, and he now starts dating, one, respecting, being mm-hmm. respectful to himself and respectful to whoever that potential young lady is. Yeah. So. Uh, just to finish up on that passage that I was talking about in, in Ephesians, I mean, mm-hmm. for those of you watching, you want to read Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 mm-hmm. to 33. But 33 is really interesting because Paul wraps it up. And I know I didn't get into about Jesus loving the church, but really what he's talking about, you know, when, when, how Jesus loved the church was he was... He spent time, quality time with them. He yes. prayed with them and for them. He fed them. He provided for them. He mm-hmm. healed them. We need to comfort our wives. That's, that's healing. Yes. He also washed their feet. He was a servant. Mm-hmm. And and that means, men, you need to be all of that to your wives. Yes. And another part of it, where Paul wraps up is, is perfect. In 33, he says, however, each one of you must love, he's on husbands, love your wife as he loves himself, and wives must respect their yes. husband, and that is key. That is key. That is key. Because re- mm-hmm. we're talking about submit, but really, what, what Paul I think is really trying to push here is the fact that the wives need to honor and respect their husbands, mm-hmm. as husbands are loving their wives yes. in a, in a Christ-like way. Right. You know, I think that's really. Important. And I think uh, that some people, when they do the the <clears throat> comparison of submit and obeying. Um, they don't really go back to what is your motive? 
what is your heart's desire? Are you wanting to be ruler abusiveness Mm -hmm. or are you trying to be Lord one who takes care of. Yeah. And so uh, those words, it's like moral and values. They can be kind of used interchangeably a lot of times, obey and submit, depending on who's talking. But it really goes back to what is your heart's desire? And Jesus, I mean, he said he he came to serve, not to be served. Right. If we're in love like Jesus, we need to serve, not be served. Right. That I mean, needs to be our mindset. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, somewhere pride or power or something within us, sin, is a better term for it all, Mm -hmm. takes over. Yes. Yeah. And and self-desire. I So... After I got out of the military, my retirement gift was my son, Alex. I waited. God has such a beautiful sense of humor. 20 years of being told I would never have a baby, never, ever. And here I now get pregnant at 41, and I have my child, my first and only one I gave birth to. And um, during that process, being a geriatric mom, as they call us, over 35, some complications happened and had to have an emergency cesarean. My husband so sweetly set up our bedroom to where I didn't have to leave the bedroom to get anything to eat or to do anything. He made sure that whenever he went to work, I had everything uh, that I needed. Well, of course, when you're older and your body goes through that um, very <laughs> traumatic sometimes experience, because childbirth can be traumatic to some to some people. Not that it was. I had a beautiful childbirth, actually. Um, but I gained some weight um, from being a fit soldier to being a retired soldier. <laughs> and uh, last night I was having a discussion with my husband because I've been purposely losing weight for health-wise and everything. And so I told him, I said, so I'm getting back to what you were you fell in love with. And he looked at me so gently. He said, I never fell out of love with you. I thought, wow. Because how many times I said to myself that he shouldn't love me. I've gained all this. He fell in love with the soldier girl and I'm not her anymore but he said oh baby I never fell out in love with you that yeah. that it wasn't just a you know yes I understood that you were putting on weight but that never stopped my love for you and I was like wow thank you so much because he gave unto me the understanding that he loved Rena Mm-hmm. The, the the person, but not just the physical aspect, which I think as men sometimes to just stop and do that for a woman, that is huge for a woman. It's interesting. So this Valentine's Day, I, I did something really totally different. I, I actually found a place where I could write a book and every page you would write something about why I wrote all the different things why I love Susan. Because Susan would say things like, you know, do you still love me? Mm-hmm. I'm like, really? You have to ask? You know, because I tell her a lot. I do a lot for her. Mm-hmm. Um, except for cook. When she wants me to cook, I get pizza. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I heat up. She's fed. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but basically I had this book and I had all these pages, of, you know, from the beginning when we met and all the different things we do and what mm-hmm. I love about her and all the little things that I love about her. So I gave it to her and then I'm getting ready to leave. And several hours later, she's in bed reading it. Oh, I I'm like, wow, you're reading it again? She says, yes. Yeah. You know, so, so I think stuff like that is, is huge. Yeah. So I want to skip over to just being married because mm-hmm. I know that a lot of times when, when guys and girls are dating, guys are... Guys have a natural way of, of conquering. We want to conquer, 
You know, we're on this. We're on the, yeah, we're on the road driving. We want to pass the other guy. Yes. You know, pass the other guy. <laughs> I don't want to get gas. Then they'll pass me. You know, because you got to you got to conquer right. the road. And the same thing with relationships. We we date to conquer. No, now we're married, and all the flowers and all mm -hmm. the dating, all the wonderful things stop. Right. And the girl's like. Well, wait a minute. What happened here? And the guy's mm -hmm. like, hey, I conquered. You know, right. Ar, ar, ar. Is that how Tim, Tim Allen does that? Yeah. <laughs> but that's true. And so what I teach is you need to continue to date. Mm -hmm. You know, a date night once a week. I, and I go to countries that are poor, that yeah. can't afford to go out all the time. And so they'll tell me, well, how do you do that? He says, go on a picnic. Yeah. Make a sandwich and, and go out and or take a walk and just do something without kids, without talking about work, without any yes. of that. It's just you're dating. Yeah. And one of the problems I've seen through the years is is couples stop dating, have children, do everything for their kids. Their kids have left and they don't know each other. A lot mm -hmm. of people divorce. Mm-hmm. And you have problems. And I say you need to date. You need because it keeps yeah. you in touch with each other. It keeps you that love. And so that's one of the huge things. The other huge thing I tell tell couples is that, you know, and I was told this as a, as a newly married. Now I've been I've been through a divorce and I've also been through a death. I've been a widowed as mm -hmm. well. So I've been through them both. Right. But, but in the beginning, my pastor Lon, he said he said you know you got to give your wife a flower. You know, and when that dies, give her another flower. Mm -hmm. And I learned that flowers to men, or well, I knew flowers to men because I'm a man, mm -hmm. you know, they represented, you know, spending money on something that's going to die in a week. Right. Wasting money. So back clicked from changing to spending to wasting money because right. it's going to die in a week. So then I started learning that. But to a woman's aspect, mm -hmm. it's beauty, it's mm -hmm. life. And he's thinking of me. Yes. And she sees that. As he's thinking of her while he's not there. Yes. And yes. so I teach, give her, and I do this. I mean, I'm not telling you to do it that I don't. I give my right. wife a flower or flowers. You know, I go down to HEB and, and I, I buy the cheap ones, you know, because mm -hmm. um, it gets too expensive all the way. Yeah. And, and when one dies or is mm -hmm. dying, I'll give her, I'll go to the store and give her other flower or flowers. And it may be one rose. It may be a little bunch of carnations. Right. And so she has that. And it represents beauty. It represents the fact that I love her. She sees that when I'm not there to know that I still love her. And that is that is important as far as a woman. We need to know uh, that when we're not together, that I don't have to always be in your face for you to be thinking of me. Because as women, we're always thinking. We're, we're analytical creatures, I believe. So we're always thinking, okay, did I do this? Did I do that? He asked me to do this. Okay. But sometimes as men, because you, you all tend to, from our vantage point, to be kind of focus-driven, you know, one idea at a time driven. So can you every once in a while deviate from that one idea and think, you know, about us. Um, and I go back to what you were saying about doing date nights. You know, that is such a lack in marital society to the point that we have created a big business 
uh, marketing scheme on how to uh, help facilitate date nights. You have these little books that you can, like 101 ways of creating new different things for date nights or pull a little different card out of the box and this is what we're doing for date night because a lot of people don't understand the purpose and the value in actually taking time. My mother and father always taught us about date night. They still after over 50 years, they still have date night uh, on Wednesday. So don't call their house on Wednesday <laughs> um, like I do on accident, even though I have a calendar reminder that tells me what's his date day. Uh, but they have they have date day. And and we then try to, as as their children, my sister and my brothers and, and myself, we try to emulate that and have our date days. Um, and where we some, sometimes we'll do it with Alex because we, we want him to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but most times we do it just with the two of us. I mean, and then we also do our anniversaries. We alternate year where we have to kind of play the one-up game and see who's going to outdo the last anniversary. And we'll go to like Mexico or we'll say, okay, this year we want like this year we're going to Greece uh, for our 15th. So the whole family, we're all going to Greece. And it does twofold. One, it shows Alex uh, the different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also for us, it's still, we we met in the military where we did a whole lot of traveling. And so we were always in different hotels. So that became our thing. Find these different hotels and, you know, yeah. kind of, you know, spice the spice of life, you know, <laughs> spicing it up. But yes, I think that is very important. But again, it goes back to we as the body of Christ as believers, the Bible says that the old men, you know, are supposed to teach down to the young men. The wise women are supposed to teach down. The Titus two women are supposed to teach down to the the younger women. Now that has nothing to do with age per se. As we would hope, though, the older you get, the wiser you get. That's not always true. Uh, there are. That wisdom is from someone who has been given knowledge and knows how to properly apply that knowledge, right? And so it could be anybody that can say even just not so much teaching, but just say, like you said, you know, I'm so I'm so glad my husband and I go on a date day. And you can be two years into a marriage and then somebody else be 40 years into a marriage and go, you know what? That's what we're missing. All the kids are gone and grow up and we've lost who we are. Let's start dating again. Yeah. You know, so it's just about being there for one another, be responsible to one another as believers and helping one another out. Uh, we, we don't do that a lot of times. And for many reasons, sometimes people make you feel like you can't tell them anything. If you try to give them a suggestion, they try to bite your head off. Or some people just... They're not a good example. Yeah. They have not had a good example, even though they're the older members of whatever that congregation is. You really don't have much to say. Or this is the biggest key I find. You have no relationship with the person you're trying to talk to. How are you going to come to me and try to tell you know what you need to do that you don't know me? You haven't even said good morning. You know, <laughs> can we start at good morning? How are you? How's things? You don't get you don't know me. We've never been out to lunch. So let's have fellowship with one another, you know, to I be able to do these things. I understand that. I, I, on my level, not not talking about marriage or anything, I'm, yeah. on my area of teaching Bible, I have people telling me, as if they're scholars, 
and and they really have no background and they've barely read the Bible, but they're telling what the Bible means and says in right. some areas. And it's like everybody's a scholar, right? So it's everybody seems to have it. They're all yeah. One other fact uh, factor I want to talk about before we quit and stop here. We only have ten minutes. Is blended families, Ooh. stepmother, stepfather, stepchildren. Yes. And I, because divorce is rampant worldwide, mm-hmm. not, I mean, we have a lot of divorces in the, in the United States. They say almost, almost 50% of first marriages mm-hmm. are divorced, 70% of second marriages and so forth. I go to Eastern Europe and they have divorce, divorces within the first few years. Yes. They have divorce rates like 50 plus percent. And wow. it's really big because they don't have parents raising them and they don't really have that understanding. Right. The Bible says in Genesis, and Jesus said also in Matthew, that when a man is married to his wife, Mm -hmm. that they become one flesh. They leave their parents and they become one flesh. Yes. It never, ever says that you become one flesh with your children. Right. However, when people get married and they Mm -hmm. have children, a lot of times that parent to their child act as if they're one and the the husband Mm -hmm. or wife they're marrying just as kind of like the outsider. And, you know, um, I think it's because, uh, again, lack of understanding. My people perish for the lack of knowledge. Um, And yet my husband and I, we're a blended family. Uh, He has two adult children from his previous marriage, but they're my children. And from day one, I wanted him to know, although I did not give birth to them, number one, I will never take their mother's place. Um, Even if she was the past, which she's still living and we're friends, believe it or not. Um, But I would never try to take her place. I would never go behind her and say, you know, well, don't listen to your mother. No, you always respect your mother because that is a blessing to them. And I want them to understand that. Um, But I'm their mother as well because I'm their father's wife. And so with them, I had to I let my husband know from the beginning, you and I are one. So we make the decisions that happen in our household. Uh, We don't allow any of the children to come and dictate to either one of us something that goes beyond what you and I have already set as a goal. And trust me, they will try it. Every last one of them. It's not a they're yeah. bad or good or whatever. They're going to try it. Yeah. Uh, but you have those are conversations that need to be had before you even say I do. That has to come with some counseling to understand again that you're and, and it doesn't. It's we love to say blended. It's like mixing a cake and everything just goes so well. No, uh, some of those are going to have some lumps that you're going to have to work <laughs> out. You know, for a while. Um, so it doesn't always blend as well. Yeah, because so Susan and I, and she has two kids, and it's interesting. Susan was amazing, um, uh, and yet you watch the kids play her mom, mom against me. Dad. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So basically, Susan was good. If I said something and they went to her, she would say, "What did, what did Alan say?" Mm-hmm. It was no, you can't because Alan, you know. So so it was it was this thing that Susan uh, really, uh, for the most part, not every time, but for right. the most part, she was she was on the same page. Now, there right. were times when she wasn't, and I, I think that result is because of past situations, baggage she brought in. Right. But I noticed that the, especially her daughter would, would, would play her mom against me to mm-hmm. try to get what she wanted when I said no. Or or whatever it was, yeah. but it was really good. And I and I I grew up 
as I had a stepfather, I had a stepmother, mm-hmm. and I and my my stepfather hated me. I mean, he literally told me he hated me. Wow. Okay, mm-hmm. so I knew he hated me, and and for years until I was a, a, an adult, he finally came to me and said he respected me and and entered. But that was a long time. I was after. Like, what kind of scarring was created well, before the? Pro- probably. I mean, it didn't. I don't know how much effect it had on me because I was. Uh, I was not into the fact that it bothered me too much. I was already out there doing things in the world. I didn't care about home because home was already a disaster. Wow. Yeah. Um, But the the fact that, you know, I didn't want to be a stepfather like my father, my stepfather was to Mm -hmm. me or a stepmother, you know, at the time. Because my stepmother uh, was a wonderful stepmother now. I mean, in the beginning, it, it was different. And so... Um, but I, I honor my dad, so I honor my stepmother. Right. And, and even though my dad has passed now, I still honor my stepmother. Yes. Because I still want to honor my dad, even though he's not alive. Right. And I think that's so important. And Jesus had a stepfather. Yes. And the Bible says he obeyed and honored his stepfather. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Joseph had a stepmother, Leah, mm. when, when Rachel died. Yes. And honored her. And I think it's important we understand the Bible teaches that we honor our step parents. Yes. And our step as a step parent, we mm-hmm. honor those stepchildren. Right. And we raise them as our own. Right. And I think like you said with you, and I think that's so important we do that. It's so biblical. And yet today in so many Christian homes, mm-hmm. we see that separation. And yes. eventually that separation leads to divorce or it leads to mm-hmm. all kinds of bad stuff. Right. And and those kids grow up without having a healthy idea of what marriage is about. Yes. And I mean, even, you know, they people say half brothers and half sisters. Um, although we knew that my mom's uh, siblings, that some of them had different fathers, we consciously knew that. We did not feel that they were half brothers or half sisters. That was my mother's brother. That was my mother's sister uh, growing up. They were our aunts and uncles. My grandmother did not make that a distinction within her children, and the children did not make that a distinction. And so that was a great example even for me, although, of course, my parents been together, but I knew when I was marrying Rick that he had two other children. And now that we have Alex, he doesn't call his sister or his brother my half-brother, my half-sister. He said, that's my brother. That's my sister. And they call him Bubba, brother. Uh, And yeah, that we don't allow them, but we've not even made space for that distinction to be, uh, you know, had within our family. Your brother and sister. Yeah. And there's families that where you may have a a parent with with a new spouse where they won't let that spouse discipline your child. Right. And that wasn't true in our case. In fact, uh, we even had a counselor ask Susan, you know, because Susan had our time. She had a hard time disciplining because she was never disciplined. So mm. she didn't know what it was to discipline. And right. I saw that there was discipline needed to take place. Mm-hmm. So a counselor told Su- asked Susan, do you trust Alan? Yes. Do you trust him to discipline your children? Mm-hmm. Yes. Then you can learn from him. Yeah. And that was huge. Yeah. So and uh, and she was not a Christian counselor. She was a Jew. She was a Jewish oh, wow. counselor. But they have the same values. Yes. And so I, th- I think that was really important. And I, and I wonder... If we really look at Scripture, mm-hmm. and s- instead of just reading stuff and reading over it, to study Scripture, mm-hmm. personally, 
in in the home, in our churches, you know, as families, if we really studied these things, how much better our home life would be, how much better marriages would be, how much better life would be if we truly took that to heart to follow uh, those scriptures. Well, Alan, I will say that you said study. As a soldier, I had a weapon that was assigned to me. And they didn't just take us out to the range and give us this weapon and some bullets and tell us to fire. They taught us about this weapon intricately. We had to know how to take that weapon apart. We had to know what each piece of that weapon was and their function. We had to know how to put it back together and take it apart within a certain, like, two minutes, I want to say, take it apart and put it back together, including the handguards. That's what studying means. Yeah. It means to be able to take it apart and and fully know that the deep down stuff that brings it back all together and makes it functioning. Yeah, to hide your God's word in our heart doesn't mean to memorize it. Right. It means to understand it in such a way that we live it. It is yes. part of me. Yeah. That's hiding God's word in my heart because it doesn't mean heart as you be. It means yes. my life. And so, therefore, if I have it in my life, I live it. Yes. And and I tell people, don't just read the Bible. Don't just memorize stuff. Mm-mm. Study it so Study. you live it. Yes. So, yeah. but yeah. Um, for you men, I, I think it's important you understand, too. In First Peter, I was told this when I was young by my pastor, uh, 3.7. Uh, this is interesting. It says, husbands, likewise, dwell with your wives mm-hmm. in an understanding way, giving honor to your wife as to the weaker vessel. Yes. And as being heirs together of grace of life, that your prayers yes. may not be hindered. Yes. Yes. And it's not that we are the weaker vessel. It's how you entreat. When you take, like when I have my crystal or I have my china, I wash those differently than my regular everyday dish because <laughs> I don't want it to break yeah. because it cost me something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it, I think it's, and, and the way I, I believe that my wife is, you treat her differently. You treat her more special, yes. just carefully. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know when I'm harsh, you know, harsh than I more than I really need to be it's yes. like you know where do I eat crow and come back and say you know Susan yeah. I'm really sorry I was wrong yeah. be quick yeah. be quick in your apologies both men and women yeah. be quick yeah yeah and, and I, it's hard for her because she doesn't come from that she comes right. from somebody who wasn't like that and so she expects that mm-hmm. but when you spend 20 some odd years with that it's hard when yeah. you walk into something else to be treated differently yeah so well, marriage, romance, life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming, Lorena. That's it's so my wonderful. pleasure. Thank you. Everyone, you all I hope watch this really intently. Look up the scriptures. I will have many more scriptures in my uh description on my on my YouTube. So read them, look that look at them, study them, and honor honor your spouse, honor the one you date, mm-hmm. uh honor Jesus. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today. Everyone, you have a wonderful day. Aloha. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.